0: hey everyone this is cheers to leaving um i'm rachel
1: and i'm molly and we have a very special guest with us today we have samantha fox and i'm gonna pull up your bio samantha and you know Don't blush too hard as we read all about how amazing you are. (laughs) Uh, Samantha is a sexuality coach and a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York. She has been in private practice for over a decade working with individuals and couples struggling with sexuality, sexual issues, coming out later in life, and intimacy. She pulls from a variety of therapy models to work with her clients, which supports her belief that one size doesn't fit all. She has been sought out by women coming out later in life who need help managing internalized homophobia, feelings of guilt and shame, and struggling to embrace and embody their authentic selves. To give women a safe space to explore, find, and live their truth, and to create an an embracing community for women around the globe that are questioning their sexuality or coming out later in life. She has built the Curious Questioning and Coming Out programs. Welcome to Samantha. (laughs) Does it Dang, feel weird just- hearing someone read your bio to you?
2: <laughs> oh, not not really. I've heard it a couple times now, so. <laughs> it's all true. <laughs>
1: That's um, awesome. Yeah. I you- loved looking through your stuff. I just yes. thought it was so different than what I normally see sexuality intimacy coaches talking about. Mm. Um you pull in a new kind of lens, um almost like this curiosity lens. And you talk about things that Rachel and I were both like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what awesome. is that? I've never heard of that. Yeah, like compulsor- compulsory heterosexuality. And I think that that's kind that's of why. we want to, yeah, we want to start there. So yeah, welcome to a- the show and let's Thank get you. going.
2: <laughs> Thank you. That's a great place to start. Um, yeah. So um, I'm, I call myself. A lesbian curiosity coach, and some people are kind of like, what is that? Um, and I guess it's kind of whatever you make of it. Some people think of it as it's for women that are curious about being a lesbian. And okay, if that's what it means to you, that's good. Um, but also, I'm a lesbian. And I'm also really into curiosity. And I think that, um, you know, in uh, in today's world, there just is not enough curiosity. And, um, you know, people want certainty, um, in every aspect of life and also death, um, you know, yes. right. So, um, <laughs> which I mean, to me is just, it, there's, I, I can't even make any sense of that. Um, you know, having that kind of certainty, it just doesn't exist. And so for me, like the door to kind of, Getting closer to yourself and becoming more aligned internally is really curiosity. And therefore, that's why I call myself the lesbian curiosity coach. It's really to um, try to encourage curiosity in all humans. And in that lens of curiosity, yes, I mean, I talk a lot about compulsory heterosexuality. And I talk about that a lot for my population, right? Because I work mainly with, as a coach anyway, I'm a therapist. But in my coaching practice, I work with women that are coming into their sexuality later in life after having been with men for however long, um, you know, always dating men, partnering with men, marrying men, you know, they might be 60, they might be 65, they might be 30, right. But they've only ever been aligned and sort of, you know, they've only ever seen heterosexuality as the way it, this is Mm -hmm. the way. Um, and so, you know, um, this compulsory heterosexuality piece is very helpful for these women who are kind of like, how is it possible that I am 40 and I had no idea that I was attracted to women? And there are a lot of women who experience that. And so, you know, so for my population that I specialize in, this you know, brutal regime construct, whatever you want to call it, of compulsory heterosexuality is really important because it really helps people to understand and validate how they landed at 40 and had no idea. What I find really interesting also about this construct is that straight people who are straight, like you can be straight, that's okay, they have no curiosity about the construct. And not only that, but they're like threatened by it. And a lot of, you know, as you get old, like older people, so some of the women I'm working with, for example, when they come out to their parents and they share that they didn't know because of compulsory heterosexuality, their parents are just like, they don't want to hear about compulsory heterosexuality. They don't believe it exists. They think this is like a whole crazy thing. And I just find it like i don't even know like it like i get i'm very bothered by this um this idea that mm-hmm. straight people don't want to learn about this because you can be whatever you want to be like or whatever you are if you're straight that's awesome if you're heterosexual great i'm so happy for you but just know that there is a construct that you easily fit into so you are a lucky human in that way mm-hmm. but there are a lot of humans that don't and they have severe mental health issues because they don't fit into this construct. And the second you're born, you're born into the construct. So, and it's not just religion. And I know you know a lot of religions practice these kinds of things, but it's pervasive everywhere. It's not only religion. It's mm-hmm.
0: just you know, it's I think so religion big. probably just makes it worse. Oh, absolutely, they take it and magnify it. But yeah, it's, it's all over society.
1: Yes. So compulsory heterosexuality is basically like, this is the social construct. And correct me if I'm wrong, Samantha. This is the social construct that I grew up in. And so I'm, I'm just going to fit into this box. Like there's no curiosity around my sexuality. There's no self-exploration, no self-questioning. It's just... This is the way. So this is what I'm going to do because this is easiest. I, I see this. I'm bi and I see this in the bi community a lot is by women still continuing to choose to be with men, not necessarily because they even want to be with men, but because it is the easiest thing to do. Men are way easier to hook up with. They're way easier to get into relationships sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. And, um, it just, it, it's easier to, move around society in a heterosexual relationship and so a lot of women choose to do that even if they are by is that kind of like what compulsory heterosexuality is 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 what i just explained
2: yes it's essentially you know it's like you come out of the womb And, you know, you either have, I mean, and by the way, men are also under the construct, right? So it it applies to them too, right? But like for women, we're born, it's like, oh my God, it's a girl. You know, she's going to be a mother. She's going to be a wife. um, You know, she's going to please all the people around her. I mean, it comes with like a lot of people pleasing also. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, there's no choice about anything really. It's the, it's, it's like you're, your genitalia tells you what your path is. And if you're a man, it's going to look like this. And if you're a woman, it's going to look like this. And then there are all the built-in privileges, right? Because you get a lot of positive feedback from your family, from society, from, um, you know, um, tax incentives, right? There are just so many things you know, um, in your work environment, right. You can't be out in your work environment. Um, you know, they're just, I mean, until the 1970s, it was, um, considered a mental illness to be anything other than heterosexual, heterosexual. So, you know, I mean, of course this is the only way and people have no idea that there is any other way, unless you grow up in a place, I mean, I live in New York city. My children all grew up in New York city where they went to school. There were plenty of parents that were same sex families or, um, or poly families and things like that. So, you know, my kids were exposed to all of that, but that's not the norm. Um, right. right. And, um, you know, and so, yes, it's just, there's this one path and, Everything, it's like swimming, it's like swimming, swimming against the tide, you know, to do anything different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and also like just our natural development, right? Like we want to be accepted, we want to belong as little people. When we start socializing in school, what do we want? We want to be like part of the popular group, and we want to fit in because nobody wants to be on the outside and and left alone. Like and human made fun nature, of. though, too. that's human nature, so, right? In exactly. And find community and stay exactly, with the group. exactly, and so and and we don't get education about differences in sexualities. Um, and so you just want to be part of the the popular group. And we start to ignore all of these, you know, all of these parts of ourselves until later in life. And, you know, you've been struggling with substance abuse for so long and now you've, you're getting sober and you've been sober for a couple of years and you start going to therapy and you're like, holy shit, like the reason I was drinking or drugging was because I couldn't, face the fact that I'm attracted to the same gender. Um mm. so yes, I think also for bisexual women, I I definitely hear, I mean, I I get some feedback on TikTok where people are like, um, you know, I'd much rather be having sex. I mean, he, w- sex with women hands down is way better than sex with men. Um <laughs> anytime I would choose that. But you know, but there it is. Like I still date men, you know, and it's just it's interesting, right? Um
0: it's easier in so many ways. Do you think they just feel more comfortable because I they're like it, surrounded by that idea or something like Well, what? I think we're just we're
2: socialized with that as the norm, right? So there's nothing. I mean, yeah, you might feel a little nervous like, you know, it's a really cute guy or whatever and or, you know, really smart guy or whatever it is and 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 be nervous. But there's like all these norms that help you like figure out like how to do it. You know, everybody could tell you like, well, how do you do it? You get on the apps. This is what you do. This is how many dates till you do X, Y, Z. Then this happens. Then that happens. It's like three dates. And then after the third date, you can sleep with the person or whatever it is. There's like all these rules and norms. Whereas with women, it's totally different it's, yeah. it's not any of that, you know? And I mean, the only joke about being with women is like the U-Haul joke. It's like, you know, where you bring your U-Haul on the first date because women are just like immediately, <laughs> like, you know, they're ready to move in on the second date, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it is easier in a lot of ways, but this is just because we're socialized to think it's easier.
1: yeah, Not because
2: it's actually easier.
1: right? Right. Well, like I didn't grow up knowing that being bisexual could be a thing. I didn't know that like two girls could go together. Um I I knew that there were gay people in the world, but it was because I grew up like very religious and sheltered, I was not around any LGBTQ people. I was not around that community. I didn't know what it looked like in real life. I wasn't allowed to watch films or listen to music that had anything about that in it. So It wasn't until um, I kind of like broke out of my parents' home and was able to explore. I was in college. Um, I remember like I had a boyfriend at 17 who was like, I don't think you're straight, Molly. And I was like what do you mean? I'm totally straight. I like boys. I'm dating you. And he was like, yeah, um, most girls don't think about their female friends the way you do. <laughs> I was like, really? And he's like, I promise you. Yeah, that's not a thing. Like that that's only a thing if you're not straight. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like, I just didn't know. And so I didn't think to explore further mm-hmm. until someone brought it to my attention. And I, um, even in just like being bi and like everything you were saying about dating women versus dating men, I'm just like dying over here. Cause it's so true. It's so much easier for me to date men. It is a challenge to date women because it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I was never given the rule book for this. I don't know. Like even just like sex with women can be so, there can be so much variety and it, you know, it really just depends on who your partner is of what the sex is going to be like with men. It's so predictable about like, you can plan for what's going to happen. You can right. sharpen your skills for what's might you know, what's going to happen <laughs> for women. You don't know what you're going into. You have no idea.
2: <laughs> Very true. Makes Very it Very true. It does. And it's, and it can be quite um, complicated. I mean, I've been doing a lot of research on also on like top and bottom and um, mask and femme. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. seen those videos
0: as well. I've but... seen some of them. Yeah. That's also really interesting as well. Yeah. The top yeah. bottom stuff yeah it is It's really something we
1: can sense i at least I can. like I went on a couple of dates with a few women recently. and um, with women, I tend to be more of a dominant, more dominant and more, more of top. A top I'm a top with women. And it's like immediate you walk in you're like, Oh, no, we're both tops. <laughs> and it's we don't go on a second date. It's clear as day. It doesn't happen, but is so that, it's, how
2: do you know that how do you know right away that she's
1: weird. a top? It's weird. I don't know. It's an energy thing. It's a weird energy thing, and it's Just like gives
0: off more masculine energy, maybe. Not,
1: not even that. Like, I don't want to say it's more masculine energy because you can go on a date with a very feminine woman. Like I f- present feminine many times, and um, I you know, they can tell. Like it, it's one of uh, Abby Wambach talked about this on one of her episodes on the Glennon Doyle podcast about how um, she can like give a hug to another like lesbian woman and, and, and it be like, oh yeah, no, we're the same. So we're not going to have sex with each other, but I'm going to have sex with her because we're not the same. (laughs) And it's like this kind of like instinctual thing in us that we kind of know. (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But I've experienced that where it's like, yeah okay. Yeah. We're both, we're both the more dominant energy here and we're both more of the top here. And um, I don't know. And that, I don't know what yeah. that's all about.
2: Well, I think it's just, it's what I like to call the dynamic flow, which is, and I think, you know with men and women together, right? With heterosexuals, it's, I mean, it's, you know, there's like this path, right? It's like pretty clear what happens. And typically, typically, not always, but typically, you know, the man dominates or he is the initiator. He is the leader. He is the top. Mm -hmm. Um, certainly not always.
1: Gender norms.
2: Gender norms. Right. But with two women, you don't really have those gender norms. And so, you know, what I've noticed with a lot of couples that I treat, you can have two really top women in the world. So the way that they're out in the world is very, very, you know, they're they're surgeons, they're top executives, you know, they're really powerful, very smart. And then when they get into the bedroom, they both want to be dominated. And so while they're both tops and the way they go around The world is in top energy. They are directors. They are, you know, initiators. They are makers. They are things are happening because of them in the bedroom. They don't want to be that. They want to be receivers. Right. And so, you know, if you don't have the right dynamic flow, Meaning the right mix of this energy and it, you know, and it's weird, right? Because like sexually the energy might be very different in the bedroom than it is in the world. So it becomes complicated and I've spent 20 years trying to figure this out. Um, you know, I came out back in 2002 after being married for about seven years and I had three young kids and um, after my first partner, I just could not figure out what the right combo was um, and who I would be attracted to. And I've just spent so many years thinking about all of this top and bottom and mask and femme and are they conflated or are they separate? You know, is, is a mask presenting person going to be more top? Um, You know, no, I'm learning. No,
1: yeah, no, they
2: can be completely bottom. Like as, as, as butch as you can get and be totally bottom or trans man and, you know, be bottom. Um, So I, the whole thing is just endlessly fascinating i think
1: it would be great to just like find a girl that's like me that can just like switch <laughs> yes yeah. and most people can
2: <laughs> most people are switchy like that yeah. is i think most people have switchy energy and that's what i'm finding when i speak to people because i've been asking people from tiktok to like just have conversations with me and i pop on zooms with people like wherever they are about their sex lives and if they're like switchy or if they're bottoms or if they're tops and and what they you know what they like and what they don't like and what they want. And I'm finding most people, even people that are like very top, they still have some switch. And even people that are very bottom still have some switch. It's just the stone top and stone bottom that do not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's also a level of comfortability and safety with your partner of what you feel safe enough to explore. And I don't know if everyone has that, especially right now with uh, the dating scene being more hookup culture, it's hard to develop a safe container to explore your sexuality um, in the bedroom with another person if, if there isn't like safety in the relationship because we're just hooking up or this is just casual or, you know, we don't really know each other very well. And so that can make it really complicated. At least in my experience, like I have not had really good experiences with women um, in a long time because it's always been very like, oh, you're just curious. (laughs) and You just want to try this out and that's fine. But also like, this doesn't give us enough time to make this actually good because there's no safety here.
2: Yes. And women, with women, that seems to be more important. Mm-hmm. Um, than in heterosexual relationships. Um yeah. just the same, I mean, not that it's not safe, it's it's always safe. It's safety is important everywhere, yeah, but that between two women, that is very important. Um, and even women who who are really um tops and only tops and they've never received, I'm I'm hearing from them that they really wish they could receive. And the reason that they can is because they are uncomfortable being vulnerable and you know vulnerability is associated to weakness right um so in our society anyway so you know someone who is a top uh, might not be able to be fully sexually satisfied and fully pleasured because they have to be vulnerable and they don't know how to do that and they don't know how to break through those barriers so you know i mean just endlessly fascinating
1: i feel i feel like um gay couples have so much more opportunity for this level of healing to take place than heterosexual couples because most heterosexual couples, and in my experience too, we're not asking these questions and this is not a conversation happening. It's you're the man, you're going to dominate me in the bedroom and that's that. This is the role I take. This is the role you take. And there's no deeper exploration of this.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is important. When I meet with, um, straight couples that come in to see me because they are struggling with their sex lives, that they're not having sex and they don't know what's happening. And I ask them to define sex for me when they say they're not having sex. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. It's intercourse and an orgasm. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole definition. Just P and the V.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: So, uh... You know, I mean, yes, for being a lesbian woman, I mean, this is just like, oh my God, you guys, like, <laughs> you know, and I typically just say, can we just like take intercourse off the table? Yeah. People don't like that. They don't, they don't like when I say that, but I do. I say, let's take intercourse off the table and let's find what else there is. How yeah. else can you experience pleasure with intercourse
0: off the table? Because there's so much more. Yeah that's something I still like struggle with too, because of the way that I grew up thinking that that is sex. And if that doesn't happen, it's more like foreplay or it's more like, you know, something else. And it's so hard for me to like change my thinking on that. And I have no idea. I mean, I have some ideas why that's hard um, to change my thinking, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's just weird to to be taught about sex that way, to experience sex that way for a very long time. And then all of a sudden be posed these questions. Mm -hmm. And since I am straight, then it's like, again, there isn't a lot of room for that unless your partner's open to it. But then when you're faced with things like, oh, you know, sex is kind of boring now because that's all it is, you know, or, you know, then you have to like start facing those things and figuring out what else you can do to kind of like make it more exciting because after a while it's like you know because it it is more you know based around men essentially like the whole intercourse idea is based on men's pleasure because you know half the time that's not going to get you know a straight woman off so (laughs) right I don't know it's It's hard. It's hard to like view these questions and then change your entire mindset and the way you feel about it. Cause it's just a natural thing that comes up for me when I think about the word sex. I'm like, Oh, so you had an intercourse. That's that's what it is. I mean, when, when I was doing my,
2: um, some sex therapy training, um, one of my supervisors said, you know, when we were deconstructing, you know, what is sex and, and what is the definition of sex? She said, sex is anything you wouldn't do with your next door neighbor. I mean which which I mean yeah you might you might with your next door neighbor but like really think about (laughs) it right I know how many affairs (laughs) happen with the neighbor (laughs) right right but 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 generally I don't know about you
1: but my mailman is hot yeah
0: like I would have sex with the mailman so I
1: would actually (laughs) that's hilarious definitely my type (laughs) Yeah well
0: sexual I mean sexual isn't just p and v it's so much like if, i think if we need start viewing sex as not just this one simple act versus being like sexual with someone i mean think about adolescence we always talk fondly of dry humping that's not sex but like like it's not intercourse but it is, slow, but it is. You're having an orgasm but you're it having, is.
1: An, you're having yeah. an orgasm and it's enjoyable or, and it's but sexual. you
2: also don't have to have an orgasm to no. have sex
1: you don't uh, see you that don't.
0: my mind is like <laughs> With that, like, it yeah, just
1: it's. Blown I've had so much sex with no orgasm. Right. It happens all the yeah. time. I, Anytime I, I sleep with a man, someone,
0: <laughs> someone has to have an orgasm. Is where my brain goes to. Nope.
1: But like, what if? What if we could have pleasure with no orgasm?
0: Yes. Maybe yes. we should just call, start calling it pleasure. Yeah. That pleasure. It's, that's time. fine. That yeah. Pleasure
1: time. It's pleasure time. I, I love this. I always I like. I that. like calling it like playtime. Like when I was um exploring like open relationships and poly relationships with a, a former boyfriend. Like whenever I would like invite a girl over and stuff, he would be like, "Oh, you have a play date." I'm like I do have a play date. And It's just about Ooh. like just having fun and being playful and exploring, exploring each other's bodies, exploring sensation, exploring yeah. pleasure. It's we're playing. It's playful. It's not, it does not serious, you know, it's sensual. It's not um, necessarily, there doesn't necessarily need to be an orgasm. If it happens, amazing. If not, we still had a really beautiful time. Like I think like my favorite threesome, I didn't have an orgasm at all, but it was so fun because I got to just explore freely and that was great. And that's what I wanted. And that was enough for me to be like, that was great sex. Okay. Moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I love
2: that. I love that. And I, I, I frequently use that too with my partner. I'm like, let's play, you know, and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just playtime. And the goal for me and what I work with people around is the goal of sex is pleasure. Mm -hmm. That is the goal it is not orgasm. It is not intercourse. It is not any specific thing. It is pleasure. However, your body can feel pleasure.
0: Um. Okay. I have a question then. Uh-huh. So staying on this subject. So the idea of being horny is generally like you want to have sex, preferably that ends in orgasm generally, at least for me, when I'm horny, I'm generally not not horny anymore until that happens. Mm-hmm. So if we're changing words around sex and if we're changing words around pleasure and playtime if that's not enough to not be horny anymore then to some extent if i am having playtime with my partner pleasure time i am requiring an orgasm to some extent. So so is- in other words yeah so you're so you're going
2: into it with a specific goal. And the goal is I no longer want to feel horny when we are done doing this.
1: Gotcha. You're chasing an orgasm. Yeah. Versus. Yeah. Just, I I
0: want to be close to you. I want to have, you know, maybe that would be a different goal.
2: Yeah. Or even like, I want to get off, um, you know, I mean, which is okay. Like you can go in with that as a goal. It doesn't always have to be the same goal of, of, but I think the big picture is pleasure. And I think people can get very frustrated. I mean, so many women never have orgasms. Um, and you know, and a lot of women's partners, whether you're partner with a woman or a man can be frustrated by that. You know, and yeah. they feel like, why can't you have an orgasm? The more pressure you have to have an orgasm, the least likely you are to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. But if you just make the goal pleasure, it kind of just releases it's like freedom, you know? It's right great. If you have an orgasm, amazing. If you don't, that's okay too. And also like, yeah, I get it. Like you want to get off and you wanna just like you wanna end that. That yearning, that longing, that like turned on feeling, you want it to like come to like a conclusion, which is okay. But I also think it's really interesting to like ride that so that like you kind of like play, but without the goal of an orgasm. And maybe like you just ride the top. I mean, you ride the top Mm -hmm. as long as you can ride that top feeling without going over the edge. And then you could even, I mean, with women, you can like stop there. And then pick back up the next day and you're like already almost like you're, you're like at the top right when you start, because that's where you left off. And I mean, this is like fun. Like you can play with these things. It doesn't just have to be like, I need to like get this feeling done with and over with so I can go on with the rest of my day, you know? And sometimes it can be that too, and that's okay, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that, you know, um, it doesn't need the certainty. It doesn't need the, it ends with intercourse and an orgasm for it to be sex.
1: Arousal is also a very, very powerful energy for women to hone in on. Like what you were talking about is getting to that state of arousal, riding it, and then keeping it, and then rejoining the next day. Um, Yes. So there's a lot of, there's a uh, sex and intimacy coach called Kim Minami, and she talks about how. For women, when we are in our most powerful state, is when we are aroused. Mm-hmm. And if we can maintain our own level of arousal and keep it at like, let's say one to ten is the arousal. I'm losing words right now. It, it, so from one to ten is Range. the arousal scale, right? Ten is an orgasm. One is like not aroused asleep. Um, but you can be aroused when you're asleep. <laughs> yeah, She's I like, you kind of want to live <laughs> in the seven to nine area. Yes. Like, that's where you want to be. And that's where the most powerful manifestations can happen. That's when you have, like, all of this energy and this, like, almost, like, magnetic energy around you where people, like, all the things that are meant for you are drawn to you. And it's just really an interesting concept. But I do find that, like, around my ovulation period when, like, I am in that state of arousal, like, and I can just kind of hone in on it and harness it, it's, I'm a bad bitch. I get shit done. Like. I'm able to do so much more than, um, oh, chasing orgasms. I, I think that when I used to be in that state, it was like, oh, I just need to like masturbate and get this over with, or go have sex with some random person and get this over with. Cause this is bothering me. Now it's like, oh, I'm feeling really aroused. Um, what can I do with this energy? You know, can I get yeah. creative? Can I get creative? Can I create something? Can I manically clean my house? <laughs> you know, whatever it is that I need to do. And it's like, oh, wow, this is this is a power horse of energy that we as women have um, when we're no longer chasing an orgasm or trying to get rid of the sense of arousal. I think mm-hmm. that being raised religious, we had a lot of shame conditioning around arousal and around our bodies and around sexuality. And so for me, at least, I feel like I had to really overcome the idea of when I'm aroused, I need to push it down. And it was like, oh, no, I can actually let it live in my body. And I don't have to necessarily seek out a sexual experience to get rid of it or, you know, masturbate to shove it back down or, you know, just shove it back down and not do anything about it. I can actually harness it and use it and let it live in my body.
2: I love that. I I mean, I love that. And I I really encourage people to kind of start to connect to w- like what turns them on and, and when they feel turned on, right. Cause I also have, you know, working with couples, people that come in and they're like, you know, you know, she's let herself totally go and she's not going to the gym and like, she doesn't do anything to turn me on and, you know, um, whatever, like kind of pointing the finger. And I like to just kind of bring it back to you and sort of like, well, what are you doing to turn yourself on? Yeah. Right. And, and, and do you even notice those times when you are turned on? Like, do you, can you connect to that feeling? And that's what you're talking about being in that. That's like your power, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much power in that. And, um, and, and it feels amazing um, to kind of like really fill that out, like to let that fill you out and to not mm-hmm. have to do anything about it yeah so, and also you know, and sometimes you do like because it's just fun and and you can play with yourself and and get off yourself if you don't have a partner, that's fine too, um, but yeah, I think it's really fun to experiment with that,
0: yeah that's
2: yeah
1: really cool i I just enjoy being like turned on all the time, just I love that, <laughs> I love it, I love being in that state it's it's something I definitely would like to practice more is um like tapping into what turns me on what makes me feel like a sensual person and Mm -hmm. and, and then just embracing that and enjoying that and it's not always sexual things like I found this body oil that I'm like obsessed with and I've been using it after my showers and just the process of putting this fragrant oil on me is like the most sensual experience I've been having in the last week and I, I live for it. I'm like, yes. And then my day goes so much better because I spent this beautiful time just like enjoying myself <laughs> around this fragrant oil and with my body and with my senses. And it's just like this, like sense of just like turn on, <laughs> it's not even sexual. It's just wow, it's this pleasure. Feels really good. This is pleasure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Like we have senses that we don't hone in on to give Mm -hmm. us pleasure and we could be getting so much more pleasure every day. And like, even something like, like the wind, Mm -hmm. let the wind just like, like stand there and just like, let your whole body be bathed in wind for Mm -hmm. however long. The
0: wind definitely does it for me.
2: Yeah, the wind can be a turn on, right? Or like a thunderstorm, or I mean there's like a lot of different things, you know, or just being in the woods, like hiking and like being in nature or whatever it is. Like there's lighting
1: your favorite scented candle. (laughs) Let's get basic, (laughs) like anything, anything to do that, or like using a really soft blanket. I think I think women and men should explore this because I find a lot of my male partners that I've had, I try to introduce like sensation and pleasure into our. Our playtime and it scares them. They're like, Ooh, I don't like being touched there. I'm like, oh, why not? Does it not feel good? No, it feels good. Well, then why don't you want to be touched there? Um, it's too much. I'm like, okay, it's too much. Well, how does how does this blanket feel on your arm? You know, and like, like a soft blanket, oh, that's too much. It's like men are afraid to feel that kind of like pleasure and turn on from anything that isn't my penis, is going inside of something.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's socialization, you know, and it's so sad. It's part of compulsory heterosexuality. I mean, it really is. It's part of, this is, you know, it's, it's compulsory uh, masculinity and compulsory femininity. Those are Mm -hmm. also, you know, you're a man, this is how you must show
0: up in the world.
1: Right. Right. Right? (laughs) So it's like, we can't experience pleasure unless it's sex. Yeah.
0: Well, and I also think it's like internalized homophobia too, Mm -hmm. like for men. You know, they don't want anything to do with that. It freaks them out and makes them uncomfortable. I think that's why, you know, men have started like painting their nails and I fucking love love it. it. I love it too. And I'm like. So much. And some of them are straight. Some of them aren't. It doesn't matter. But they're like comfortable doing it. And some men are very uncomfortable by it. And they think it means something. And I was like, I think, I mean, why is nail, why are we like making nail polish? Like, why are we giving it a gender? Why are we giving nail polish? (laughs) Yeah, why is there meaning? I'm like, it's just nail polish, and if they want to paint their nails, why can't they? Mm -hmm. It doesn't. I think that's great. It shows that they're comfortable in their bodies and with themselves and their own sexuality that they feel comfortable enough to paint their nails, and I think that's why women are just fucking loving it because we're like, wow, there's like more layers to men being peeled back now than just the shit we see in porn or you know what we were just talking about and Mm -hmm. i i think men probably have a lot more way to go than a lot of women do because you know of you know society or you know religion really kind of fuck them up there too But I don't know. I, I really like it. And I really like it when men kind of just dress however they want to dress too. Like, I just I don't also, know why we got to make things have gender that are inanimate mm-hmm. objects. Mm-hmm. I've been
1: seeing way more men in skirts, which I love because it's freaking hot where I live. And like, Scotland your, did it first. Wear your skirt, bro. <laughs> like wear a skirt. It's hot. Skirts are flowy and breezy and it just, yeah. And they're pretty. And like, I love, I also love a man with like a skincare routine. Like when a guy (laughs) takes care of his skin and he's using all the lotions and the creams, he's got a 10 step skincare routine for his face and he goes to the barber and they shape them all. I'm like, yes, honey, that is masculine. That is so masculine. Lotions
0: become like to men, they're like, I gotta be rough all the time. Yeah.
1: It's like, what the (laughs) hell is that all about? Like what the heck? Or just, I mean, even just Like bringing this back to just like simple pleasure, you can find pleasure in your day in any form or fashion. It does not have to be sex. You can be in a state of turn on from just like feeling a soft blanket or feeling the wind or walking through the woods or what using a yummy body lotion, like whatever it is. And I think that I want to invite more men into this kind of pleasure play with themselves. As yes. well as women, and especially those of us who are deconstructing our religious upbringing, because we were not allowed to enjoy anything.
0: <laughs> wow. Like,
1: we had to be very, um, you know, just very. Pleasure shut down. was bad.
0: You were All only pleasure to find pleasure in Jesus.
1: Yes, God which is, is also weird, which but. is very strange. And and this is explicitly
2: said. Um, like if this is explicitly taught to you. Yes. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That is yeah. um, all to the glory of God that like we can't. Um,
0: That's why we can't masturbate because yeah. you'll think lustful things or bad
1: thoughts. Or even just like dancing, like just like the, something simple. So I was a dancer and I was taught that we had to dedicate every time we danced to God so that it was honoring God. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just for the pleasure of moving your body. Cause you couldn't find pleasure in moving your body unless it was for God. Yeah.
2: And the, and the end goal, like the goal of all of this, um, of like dancing for God to honor God. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, like is what, like what salvation
1: what's... not going to hell. <laughs>
2: so it's about yeah. death. So it's, it's all about it's, death. about,
0: it's all about fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely okay. based around fear. And also I think like complacency too with like people of the congregation. If you do not have people feeling their sexuality, feeling pleasure, you know, without having to come to church and focus all their time and energy, you know, on God, then you're not going to have people who are falling in line, you know, with what you want them to do. We'll be rebellious
1: if we have too much pleasure or too much fun. Like
0: you're not supposed to find it outside of God, which is what keeps you coming back To church which is what keeps you coming back to you know yeah it keeps you Uh, under
1: control as a as a woman especially because us women women, like we have so much inner power and i think that it was a very smart thing of the church and sexual energy too yeah to push that down and repress that and make us feel shame and guilt for it and say well no that's like not good that's not honoring god to feel that way because we're more easily controlled when we are turned off shut down um, submissive, disconnected. obedient, disconnected, mm-hmm. not connected to our bodies, not mm-hmm. connected to our inner desire, not connected to our intuition. All of these things that make women who we are, we're not allowed to be tapped. Anything that makes us human, we're not allowed to be tapped into it.
2: So it's, a, right. I mean, so essentially like what you're saying is like, it's just, it's, it's kind of like just
0: totally brainwashing. Yeah. Oh Yeah. It's totally brainwashing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> It's a whole podcast about about it it. because we basically didn't realize until we started deconstructing it (laughs) that we were literally brainwashed and we think it's insane now because we have our critical thinking skills back. We, you know what I mean? Like we're empowered people now and we're just like, how did that, we ever let that happen? How old are you
1: guys? I'm 27. I'll be 28 next month.
0: I'm 30. (laughs) I just turned 30. Okay. And Uh, you've been uh, out for... uh,
1: I left the church in 2014, but I don't say I came out as like a non-Christian until like maybe 5 years ago. Okay. Yeah.
0: And yeah, you, um mine was like a slow like just kept getting farther and farther away. Yeah. I don't remember when I stopped going to church, but I would say I was probably not fully like deconstructing and thinking about it and being intentional about it till probably like four years ago. Okay.
1: Yeah. For me the conscious deconstruction started when I started co-hosting this podcast this year. So that's when the conscious deconstruction like I finally realize it. Yeah. Cause I was deconstructing, I just didn't know (laughs) what it was. I was just like drifting away from it and was like, "Mm, this doesn't feel comfy for me anymore. I'm gonna move toward what feels comfy. And what felt comfy was embracing my sexuality and sensuality and experiencing pleasure in my life and having um, more intuition and being an empowered woman felt way more aligned than what I was always taught was my life path. Yeah. It was when I left my five-year relationship, I would say, is when it hit me. I I left a very long-term relationship and I was like, oh, (laughs) okay, (laughs) there's more out here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think mine started when I started like going back to college and taking college classes and I took like sociology and psychology and things like that. And I was like, dude, (laughs) everything's (laughs) a construct.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or you learn, you take like abnormal psychology class and you're just like, oh, oh shit we, we weren't even allowed to go to therapy. Like we didn't have access to real Christian therapists, Christian counseling. Christian counseling. I just, I just had a conversation with my, so I have this really religious coworker. Right. And I just had a conversation with her cause she's in her process of deconstructing and I'm seeing her kind of slowly start to drift in a new direction. And, um, I'm excited about it, but anyway, <laughs> she was like, I just, I I need I need to go to a th- like I need therapy or counseling or something and she's telling me about all these horrible experiences with previous counselors who she went to church with. So imagine <laughs> going to church with your therapist, right? They know everything about you, but they are not under HIPAA compliance. They are not trained psychologists, and so what they would do was they would shame her in session, and then they go to church on Sunday and tell everyone about it. Oh my gosh. And so she's telling Sounds me all right. of this stuff. And I'm like, have you never been to a real psychotherapist? And she's like, no. I'm like, you've never been to a real psychologist, like psychotherapy, like a psychologist's office, like true therapy. And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, honey, it's a night and day experience. I encourage you to go. I was like, first of all, they don't know you from Adam. Second of all, they're not going to be telling your business to everyone in church. And third of all, they're not going to shame you. They're going to help you work through this. Yeah. Like, you got to get out of the Christian counseling stuff. That's not where it's at. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And she's looking at me like wide-eyed, like there's other options. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yes, there are. And And the church won't tell you.
2: Yeah. And, and no, of course not. Um, and for you guys, did you lose like connections with your family or were you still accepted by your family after leaving the church?
1: We don't talk about it. <laughs> like we do, yeah. but like my parents I'm are not intentional about talking about
0: it with my mom. I think she yeah. knows, but she's in denial. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely had conversations where it's like pretty obvious and I've pretty much stated like, you know, and I've literally had my mom like use the lingo Christians use. And they're like, you're not supposed to think about it
1: logically, Rachel. <laughs> I told but my mom that's this... what I started doing.
0: And it's like, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't
1: <laughs> right. make sense. I told right. my mom this past weekend, um, I'm reading this book about, um, the gospel of Mary Magdalene that was never included in the Bible. It was actually like buried because it didn't push forward the, um, the patriarchal agenda agenda of the bible that we have today and so i was telling my mom i was like i refuse to read the bible that we were given i was like i will read the gnostic gospels which is the gospel of thomas the gospel of philip the gospel of mary magdalene um the gospel of paul and thecla because it actually embraces a more um feminist um uh you know idea of salvation and of love. And, um, it's not so patriarchal. And I was like, I can't read the Bible because it's so patriarchal. And my mom is just like, but it's the one true. I'm like, it's not, it's not (laughs) actually, no, it's actually. Why are there
0: like 5,000 different (laughs) denominations? Right. Right.
1: (laughs) And so like my, It's funny because, like, my dad saw this book I have, which is all about the gospel of Mary Magdalene, and it's, like, sitting on their coffee table. And he's, like, you know, he's, like, I really like that you feel comfortable enough around us to have that out. And that wasn't sarcasm. No, it wasn't sarcastic. He was, like, because if any of our, like, church, like, the people that we go to church with saw that, they would say that's heresy that you are, you know, following the devil, that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And I'm like, she wasn't a prostitute. She wasn't. She was an apostle. And he goes, yeah, she was the first apostle and she was the first minister. And like, so my dad and I are like on the same page with this shit. My mom doesn't get it yet. Like, she still thinks that like, I'm going to go to church with them and I'm going to read my Bible. (laughs) So it's, it's just complicated. I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's complicated. Wow. I'm definitely, like, I'm not close with people I was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And either. I'm still always terrified when I socialize with them, they're going to, like, evangelize to me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Same here. I don't so. hang out with anyone that I went to church with, really, like, at all. I've tried. And it's it's just, like, we don't have anything to talk about.
0: Yeah. Like. Yeah.
1: Because that was the one common thread was our faith, you know? mm mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of
0: them are like super conservative, you know, and especially where I live in Missouri, we live in the Bible Belt. And so a lot of like my politics changed as well, you know, because a lot of, you know, conservative Christians raise you specifically Republican and, you know, all the weird thinking that goes along with that. And so you kind of just find that you don't, you know, when you start actually questioning things and keeping an open mind about things, you can't have conversations with these people because they're completely closed minded and they don't care about what you have to say. And they don't care about having a conversation, even though they act like they want to. So it's definitely been challenging since we have sort of stepped away, but I feel like the podcast has been helpful. Uh, okay. to, it's been a sort of therapy for me. Yeah. Um, just finding new community. And mm-hmm. new people to talk about it with, and then having like really wonderful guests on to talk about things with and hopefully help our listeners mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to bring it back to the the topic that oh, we were but... talking about mm-hmm. with um yeah,, uh, and what would be the first step in you know for our listeners if they were to sort of like start unpacking that?
2: Um, yeah, so first of all, I just I just want to say on my website, I have a free three part mini course you get like an email each day that is break free from compulsory heterosexuality I love so this. each day you'll get a video with like four questions to ask yourself um and it's free so just sign up and you'll get it um and i mean really the first step is to be curious like yeah. I'm know, signing because... up right now. This is easy.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, and a lot of women um I mean, men are welcome to use it as well, right? It's not only for women, but it's right. it's there, you know, everyone
0: my... should unpack this.
1: Yeah, I, I think we not? all should. Even if we are like I am straight. Okay, but like why? We should still <laughs> we
0: should still talk about it because I find constructs, it. especially social ones just absolutely mind-blowing. Like they're all based off nothing. (laughs) It's just became a construct of society. So we should all, we should all look into that.
1: I I think it's important to ask these questions too, because like, it's like almost like who do, who are you to say that you think you have all the answers about yourself if you never even questioned yourself?
2: Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to be open to being curious and you have to be open to, to kind of like listening to yourself instead of listening to the world. Yeah. Um, and I think for women, particularly, this is more difficult because I think women, like, I think part of our conditioning is also to be pleasing, um, you know, um, don't be angry. Um, don't, don't use not nice words. Don't have a, a frown. Don't, don't have an, um, a, a mad face. Um, mm-hmm. you know, this is not uh ladylike, um, no. this is not feminine, um, nobody's going to like you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything nice at all. I grew up with that one.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, okay. you know, right. So once you can get curious about yourself, then you can start to listen more to what is happening inside of you. And, um, you know, and, and sort of like, like asking, like listening to what your reactions are Two things. So even like, what is your reaction to this idea that this construct exists? Even for straight people, like, what is your reaction? Is your reaction to shut it down? Is there, and I like to talk about like parts, like people's parts. We all, we're made up of a lot of different parts, Mm -hmm. right? We all have a self and we all have parts and Mm -hmm. our parts are the things that have developed over time to protect us. Uh, They're kind of like our reactions They're not us. Those are just our parts. So I kind of do a lot of deconstructing in this mini course, in this free mini course, to separate you from your parts so that you in yourself can start to listen to them and then get curious about them and see what they're there for, why they're telling you these things, what um, what they're hoping to achieve, what the goal is. When they tell you, you know, don't have feelings of attraction for her, like, don't, you know, don't like, this is not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of just listening and being like, okay, I'm just looking the other way. No, actually be curious about that. Um, And start to develop a relationship between yourself, your adult self, and the parts of you that have developed over time to protect you and essentially keep you safe in the ways that we as humans need to be safe in order to survive, right? We cannot survive our environments if we are displeasing to those around us when we are dependent upon them. And therefore, we develop all kinds of parts that tell us how to stay in line so we keep getting clothed, housing, fed, nurtured. Touched, educated, you know, touched, affection, whatever it is. Like, we can't survive without that. Right. Um, and so to keep us in line as humans, hearts develop based on your environment that are going to try to help you keep in line. Um, and a lot of us kind of walk walk into adulthood feeling like those parts are us. That's who we are, right? Mm-hmm. I'm this kind of person. Awesome. Um, or... Yeah, I mean, for whatever it is, like, I'm the kind of person that um, can't receive pleasure even, like, I I only like to give, I'm somebody who can't receive pleasure. Okay, um, that's valid that that's coming up for you. Can you be a little bit curious about that?
1: Yeah, um, why do you think that is? <laughs> yeah, like,
2: what, like, 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 yeah, and I, I take people through, so in this three part course, you will actually deconstruct compulsory heterosexuality with yourself Ask yourself questions, get curious about what the answers are, and see if you can actually send some love and appreciation and gratitude to the parts of you that have tried so hard to keep you in line. Yeah. And also update them with the fact that now you are an adult and maybe they can take like a step or two to the side and let you lead from your true adult self, right? That you have tools as we have tools as adults that we didn't have as kids. Well, we needed to survive, right? Now we don't need our parents anymore to survive. But our parts don't know that. So it's it's that's essentially, those are like some of the steps to beginning this process. Curiosity is absolutely the key. If you cannot ask questions, if you cannot notice when your system gets filled with some kind of a physiological reaction, like My chest is getting tight. My heart is beating faster. My stomach feels really nauseous. Like Whatever it is, when these parts take over that are telling you things to try to keep you safe, to keep you from being free from compulsory heterosexuality, then we won't be able to free ourselves. You've got to find the way to be curious about it. And the three-part course will lead you through how to start doing that process.
1: It's wow. so easy to sign up for this. Um, we'll have the web her website in our show notes. I just went in. You literally just scroll, put your name and email in, and it shows up in your inbox. I like what you said, Samantha, about um, seeing the parts of yourself that kept you in line and showing it compassion and being grateful and saying, thank you for protecting me and for keeping me safe and mm-hmm. for, for getting me as far as you could get me. Yeah. But I'm mm-hmm. gonna have you sit over there right now. And it's not denying those parts of ourselves or pushing it down or feeling shame or guilt because I think as like as us deconstructing ex evangelicals are, we have like shame addiction because we were raised on shame. And so it's easy to be like so shameful about our pasts and the way we used to think or the way that we used to feel about things or understand things. So, like there's no need to drop into a shame cycle, we can actually honor that side of us and say, wow, you kept me safe for a really long time, but this is not a tool I need right now. And so I'm going to honor that and show myself compassion as I continue to grow and learn and and change my viewpoints. And I like what you said, like we're going to put a twist on it. We're going <laughs> to give it a makeover. It's, it's a new you. Yeah
2: yeah and also to just develop a relationship with that part that wants to keep mm-hmm. you in the shame yeah. um and ask what it needs from you right because mm-hmm. these parts have been there for so long and they have worked so hard and so endlessly and without giving up and they still don't want to give up you know right. which is what we face in ourselves what does let's say with the shame part what does this part need from you in order to soften just a little bit and there sometimes they'll be like i'm not softening and so you can also work with it with like a percentage How about 20% softening? What do you need from me in order to be able to soften 20%? Start with it in small bits, right? If it won't let go, if it won't loosen. But as much as you can, like update the system, keep updating your shame system or updating your whatever the other parts of you that are coming in that are keeping you from being able to lead from your true, authentic, embodied self of today, your adult self, right? Because that's not the same as your parts. Your yeah. parts are your protectors. Yeah. Yourself is who you are as an adult today. So we have to develop a relationship with the parts and love them. They love to be acknowledged and loved, by the way. The more gratitude and love you can give them, the more they're going to be like, oh, you know, they start to like melt and they're just like, oh, yeah. you know, they love that. So the more you can do that, the more you're gonna free up your self-energy and your adult energy to live the life you wanna be living. And you're never gonna get rid of your parts. They're always gonna be there, but they could be like on a lounge chair, you know, they could be like, or they could pick a different job that they want to do. They don't have to do that job anymore. And and eventually they're grateful. But it's work. Like you have to work on the relationship between you and your parts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to note too about the system update. Um, for people who might be like, I don't need an update, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, but like, (laughs) are you? Because when your phone needs an update, all the apps stop working. Like, this morning, my phone was glitching like crazy, couldn't connect to the internet. I reset my internet three times. I was like, oh my god, I have a horrible issue with my internet. I was about to call the internet company and then I was like, why don't I just reset my phone? So I reset my phone It updated, it had a system update that needed to happen, and suddenly I can connect to the internet again, and my Instagram isn't glitching anymore. And it's like, oh, this is actually very applicable to us in life, that when we are ready for a system update, things are not going to be working properly. And we're going to find that where we're having stagnation in our relationships and we're having, we're hitting roadblocks in our careers and we're getting depressed and we're malfunctioning in all these different ways. And we're not able to really show up for ourselves or for others in the most authentic way that we can because we need a system update. We need to go through and yes, we need to honor our parts, right? That's like, that's number one. And then we need an update. We can't stay in that. I I feel like TikTok and Instagram and like social media has this whole thing about like healing the inner child, healing the inner child. Like, yes, that's so important, but like you can recognize all the pain and hurt your inner child went through and comfort it, but then you need to grow up a little bit. You need to start moving forward. And that's where the real healing happens is when you take all those lessons and you start applying them to your life as life hits you, that's the Mm -hmm. real system update. So we can't stay in this like, um, i call it like your grief tower has like tumbled so the grief tower like all the pieces are on the floor okay at some point we have to actually restack it <laughs> we got to rebuild it we got to yeah. rebuild our tower so we can live <laughs> and we can yeah. move forward and we can grow and it's and so it's in that system update that we need to start moving into i think that this podcast We've done so much deconstructing of all of the pain and trauma we've been through, and now we're in the system update part of it, where we get to actually take all of that grief and trauma, and we get to transform it and move forward as better humans.
2: Yeah. Well said. Hear, hear. Yeah, and 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 keep doing it over and over because it's yeah. a, it's this is a life journey of work. Yes, mm. the work doesn't end. Right like I'm, I'm 20 years past you yes. guys, unfortunately or
1: fortunately. I think right? it's because, fortunately. Right. Like, be- I I enjoy it. Even when it's hard.
0: Sometimes <laughs> it would just be nice if you could be like, oh, I'm healed. You know, <laughs> I'm done. Like, I made it. I'm done. <laughs> Yay. Instead of like every day you're like, fuck, I got to work on that. Like sometimes <laughs> I think it would just be nice to just like Oh, I'm healed. Yeah, I tell, I I tell people if,
1: when you open the vortex, there's no going back. Like the second you step into this healing process, you don't stop. I've dated people who are like, wow, you just do this constantly. Like it doesn't end. I'm like, yeah, maybe you should start. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would see why it doesn't stop. You can't go back. You can't go backwards. Like you're, st- you're stuck in it now. <laughs> good, good job. <laughs> good luck yeah. with it. It's you life get to work. Heal. Yeah. It's life
2: work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So. Indeed. Well, Samantha, how can um, people find you? Oh, so. Can um, you drop your social media, your website? I mean, we'll still put it in the show notes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So my website is um, curiousquestioningandcomingout.com. I work with, it's for women. um, And it is for women in any stage of the journey of starting to think about exploring their sexuality or already being totally out, have left your marriage, have left, you know, you're you're divorced and you're living with a partner. So it's, I I work with everybody across this whole area. Um, On Instagram and on TikTok, I am Lesbian Curiosity Coach. And on YouTube, I also have a channel where I do longer videos um, where I go like more in depth on topics. And that is also, I just changed it. It's Lesbian Curiosity Coach also. So all three of those are that. Okay. Perfect. An easy. easy
1: to find woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm definitely going to be diving into your content because I know that this is, this is just a continuation of the work. You know, we have to, we have to get curious about ourselves and, this is part of it, is educating oneself on things that we did not receive education about as children or young adults.
2: Yeah. That and emotions and like relationships and how to do relationships and how to communicate. I mean, we didn't get anything on any of this. At least
0: I didn't. Um, yeah, today I think, yeah, your generation wasn't, I mean, even our millennial generation, I think Gen Z is maybe, further they're along about, than they're more of the rest of us but yeah yeah i mean the further back you go like our parents' generation oh god
1: latchkey yeah. kids, nothing nothing yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> and they're yeah. all emotionally distant because like they they received nothing from their parents they were latchkey kids literally like raised yeah. themselves <laughs> yep yep <sighs> oh man so we
0: must educate ourselves um Okay, a couple announcements before we wrap up. Um, we are going to be uh, moving our schedule to bi-weekly. Um, we generally drop an episode every week, but Molly and I are very busy individuals and we want to create good content for you. And we do not want to half-ass this at all. So we want to bring you really good content. And so in order for us to do that, we are going to need to move to bi-weekly. Um, so that will be starting this month with this episode. Um, and secondly, we also want to have time to create more fun content for you instead of just releasing episodes So that might be lives, IG lives or Facebook lives, or, um, you know, just some more personal things that we haven't been able to do with the weekly, you know, dropping an episode. So, with that, I'm going to announce we're going to do Thirsty Thursday next Thursday, October 15th um, on IG Live. And we are just going to hang out and drink and talk about a subject that we will announce when we have decided what that is. Um, so that will be 6 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Central tra- time and 9 p.m. Eastern time. And yeah, look for updates on that. Um and that is all the announcements I had. Do you need to add anything, Molly?
1: Yeah. Um, so we always run the little commercial at the end to join our Facebook group. Please do, because we are going to do some lives in the group as well. Um, but also, that's where we pull a lot of our content from. So if you have any suggestions or you want to hear about a certain topic, Questions. um Yeah, all of that. Like, you can DM us, but our DMs are flooded. So just post in the Facebook group. That's the easiest way to connect with us. Um, And then we're thinking for like the Thirsty Thursdays, we want to do drinking games. And so if you have any drinking game ideas that maybe we will deconstruct or tell a Bible story and do a drinking game with it, like we want to make this fun because we've been going through so much heavy content recently. And I know I'm feeling um, a weightiness to the subject matter right now, and I want to be a little bit more lighthearted with it, and I want to kind of move in a more fun direction. So, um, yes, we're here for the difficult content, but you guys have like a whole season of that. To like work through so like now it's time <laughs> to have some fun and drink. <laughs> so we're excited to shift cheers. Through. Yes, yes, because like our show is called Cheers to Leaving, right? We haven't been doing a lot of cheers lately. We're doing a lot of crying. <laughs> <laughs> but That's um true. Yeah, we love you guys, and um, thank you yeah. for tuning in. And I know um, I don't know, it's I think moving to biweekly is going to be good for us. I think mm-hmm. it'll give us some space to like really create some beautiful stuff. I need some space. I do. I do. I'm just, guys, I'm like a full-time therapist and <laughs> I therapize all my <laughs> clients and then I come on here and like therapize all everyone else <laughs> and myself.
0: And yeah, this is my therapy for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you Samantha for being with us today. I'm so glad I saw your TikTok on TikTok. I don't know your little uh your thing about getting rejected from that podcast and I was like I'll talk to you about it <laughs> yes I love that yeah that was great Rachel yes. sent, I sent me it to Molly, and I was like um we need to have her on because I have so many questions I was like and what like, is compulsor- compulsory compulsory yeah, heterosexuality what is,
2: what is this
0: <laughs> There's we actually
2: an it. entire document, if anybody wants, that they can look up. It's called the Lesbian Master Doc. And it is like 16 pages on compulsory heterosexuality and all the things that, that like all the ways it affects you to keep you from knowing that you could be attracted to anything other than men. So check out where, the Lesbian Master Doc. Find- it's- it's lesbian just mas- Google it. Just Google lesbian master, lesbian doc. master doc. doc. It's literally a document that is on the internet that is for anybody who is noticing attraction That's to women. Um, and it's it's all of the signs of compulsory heterosexuality. Oh my like God. I can, I can only date a man if he's very feminine. I can, you know, I only like these like really famous people that are really attractive, but they're, they're not available. It'll never be with them. Like there are all right. these different ways that it shows up, but it's a huge document. So Oh my God,
1: guys, listen to this. Yeah. I just found it. It's the first thing that shows up in your Google search. How do I know I'm a lesbian, but I like fictional men slash male celebrities, but I think I've liked men before conflicting feelings about men. Um, <laughs> then they have, um, stuff about like nervousness and blushing, hypothetical attraction, sexual fantasies. Oh, I'm in this. This is great. This is going to be great.
0: We'll post a link in the show notes.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Let me send this to you right now, Rach.
0: It's super helpful.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for this resource. I'm just, Mm -hmm. my little queer heart is is shaking. I need to start putting (laughs) this
0: in sociology books because this is a social construct.
1: Yes. Let's talk about it. Yes.
2: Everyone should know about it. Everybody should be aware of it. Yeah, yes, So Yeah.
1: I think everyone, even if you think you're straight, needs to ask these questions and, and dive into this because you could have a child that isn't going to be straight or a family member or a friend and it's good to just like be educated and not be ignorant because let me tell you, queer people are really tired of the ignorant questions. We are We're really tired of it. Yep. It's exhausting. I don't, right. don't want to hear from another straight man how do women have sex with each other. I don't want to hear it. Like, no. Well, that's just dumb. <laughs> it's just dumb. There is the internet. Ignore, ignore the question. <laughs> Why
0: are men? Okay. They do a lot okay. of dumb stuff. <laughs> they do dumb things.
1: <laughs> thanks, All you guys, right, guys, for having me on. Yep, Thank you, Samantha. Here, Samantha. Have and... an amazing day. Yeah. You too. too.
0: Thanks for listening to Cheers to Leaving. Sound and editing by Cameron Smith please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and share with your friends and others who are deconstructing.
1: Are you looking for a safe space to deconstruct and be in community with others who are also in the same process? Join our Facebook support group. Just answer the questions when you request to join. Be a part of the conversation, meet like-minded individuals and get some support. Find the link in our show notes or search for Cheers to Leaving support group on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Cheers to Leaving Email us at cheers to leaving at gmail.com with your stories about leaving evangelicalism. See you next week.